0: Today we have Glenn Besa, the former director of the Virginia Sierra Club. He's a brilliant guy with lots of great ideas on the environment. Glenn, I wanna talk first about the bill that was just introduced by Chad Peterson that discusses the twenty fifteen Dominion rate type bill. Could you tell us a little bit about this?
1: Sure. I've not had a chance to study it in depth, but looking at the description and from what I understand, the bill would roll back the freeze currently on rates and allow the State Corporation Commission to re-examine overcharges, because right now the bill that was originally passed, Senate Bill 1349, basically was a billion-dollar windfall to Dominion, the expense of ratepayers. This bill would reauthorize the State Corporation Commission to look at overcharges that ordinarily the SEC would refund to ratepayers. The Bill 1349 passed two years ago prohibited the SEC from doing its job. The one shortcoming we have with this bill, as I understand it, is it won't take effect until all litigation or other actions associated with the Clean Power Plan are finalized, and that could be a long, long time. That could be, in fact, well past 2022 when this limitation on the SEC will expire. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not Dominion takes this bill seriously or whether they realize that it may not be that significant because I'm not sure that the litigation around the Clean Power Plan will be resolved, even if the Trump administration decides to withdraw the regulations.
0: There was a quote from Dominion spokesperson David Botkins in the paper today that said, Regulatory uncertainty has not decreased since SB 1349 was passed two years ago. Given the Supreme Court's endangerment finding, even if this clean power plan is struck, EPA must come up with another way to regulate carbon. Basically, their argument that the justification that was put forth in 2015, even if it no longer applies, they should still continue with this massive rate hike.
1: That's their rationalization for basically a power grab. This bill was all about Wall Street versus Main Street, and basically they wanted to make sure that the Wall Street analysts for their stock were not continuing to ding them because of the uncertainty associated with their profit margins. By having the certainty of being able to keep these excess profits, that made Wall Street happy and their stock has done very well since then. If this bill were to be repealed, then they would be subject to actions by the SEC taking money out of Dominion's pocket, money that they shouldn't be in their pocket, giving it back to the ratepayers where it belongs. So that argument is really just part of the rationalization for this bill. It was represented that as a result of the Clean Power Plan that Dominion would be closing coal plants. The fact was, that, and this was before there was even a final clean power plan, this was President Obama's action to try and reduce carbon. We didn't even have a final plan, and they passed this bill as a windfall to Dominion. When we had a final bill, it became pretty clear that Dominion was not going to have to retire any coal plants between now and 2022. So there was no expense associated with this bill, no real expense associated with this bill. Dominion is proceeding as quickly as he can to build as many gas plants and a new gas pipeline because they're in the gas business. It's important for people to realize that Dominion is not just electric utility. That's a sideline for them. They make their money selling gas. And so they have a tremendous investment in infrastructure in terms of pipelines and in storage. They're one of the largest gas storage companies in the country. And then they build gas power plants to burn the gas. So there's a serious conflict of interest as well. And if we were successful, the Federal Trade Commission would take any trust action against this company because they literally are lining their own pockets at the expense of ratepayers. The biggest failure is their domination of the legislature. If the legislature was really regulating this utility, which it's supposed to be their job, since they have a monopoly, then they would not be allowing dominion to do whatever it wants. Another manifestation of this is the fact that If you look at the various ratings in terms of wind and solar installed across the country, and also in terms of energy efficiency, Virginia is always near the bottom. The reason we're near the bottom is because Dominion uses its influence and power to suppress solar, to suppress wind, to even sabotage offshore wind when they failed to proceed with a lease that they had from the federal government to build offshore wind, and even to undermine energy efficiency. As a result of that, When the governor talks about Virginia not having sufficient job growth, he ought to be looking at Dominion as the reason for it. He continues to cite the pipeline as a big boon to economics, but a much bigger drag on the economy is the fact that we're lagging seriously behind in jobs in wind and efficiency and solar because this big, bad utility, Dominion Virginia Power, literally has suppressed those free markets. How do they have so much power? It's because we have unlimited campaign contributions. And in Virginia, the number one corporate donor year in, year out, With just a few exceptions, a few years when there's been exceptions, like when uranium mining was a hot issue when a big uranium company from Canada spent a lot of money, ordinarily Dominion is the largest donor year in and year out. The totals, and I don't know how far this goes back, over $5 million to Democrats and Republicans. They give a little bit more to Republicans than Democrats, but that's probably because the Republicans have been in control of the legislature more frequently lately. Bottom line is they give so much money to Democrats and Republicans that neither of them are willing to bite the hand that feeds them, even though they're supposed to be regulating this utility. Who is Dominion ultimately accountable to? Well, that's a really good question. They're accountable to the shareholders as Dominion Resources. And in that sense, maximizing their profit is perfectly legitimate. But they have a special relationship with Virginia. They are a monopoly. There's a reason you can't just build solar panels in this state without their approval, effectively. It's because they have a monopoly. The law says that you shall not generate electricity in the state of Virginia and sell it to anybody else, except for Util- except for Dominion in their territory. Similarly with AEP down in southwestern Virginia and with the co-ops that serve electricity in other places. They have an exclusive. Monopoly to sell power. I mean a person can put solar panels on their house if they want to, and even there, Dominion has some limitations on what you can do. But if you want to build a solar farm and sell the powers to somebody, you've got a problem in Virginia.
0: If you put a solar panel on your own roof, there are laws saying what you can and can't do with that.
1: Well, if you unplug your stuff from the grid and say, screw you, Dominion, you can do what you want. But if you want to have those solar panels connected to the grid because the sun doesn't shine at night, then you're gonna to have to have a relationship with Dominion in terms of that. And they're gonna determine, let's just say in the summertime when you're generating a lot more power, you're at work, your solar panel's cranking out the power and you're using very little electricity. You're putting power on the grid. Dominion decides how much they're going to pay you for that power. Dominion continues to insist, and this is not just unique to Dominion, this is happening all across the country. Utilities are saying that when a person puts solar panels on their house, they're cheating everybody else on the grid. This is their argument. That is complete fabrication because the bottom line is if enough of us reach into our own pocket and put solar panels on our house, Dominion is not going to have to build a new gas plant. And that means we all save money. But Dominion continues to say that they only look at the cost. So, of course, if there were enough solar panels on houses they might have to reinforce the grid where all those solar panels were and that's an expense. Sure no question about it if they can justify the cost then we should pay them for that but they literally are blocking solar by making it more difficult to put solar on your house and to actually utilize it and if you want to put solar on a commercial building and you're in the business of doing that then you've got to go through Dominion to do it and Dominion makes it difficult. The good news is the solar has gotten so much less expensive now that the pressure is mounting. So Dominion is literally starting to do more with solar, but again, they're trying to maintain control. There's a number of bills that are going to come into the General Assembly this session, and Dominion's had a hand in all of them, so that they basically become the gatekeeper in terms of the solar companies. I think Dominion looks at them as barbarians at the gate, but because of that, they've got to do something to accommodate them. Because they own the legislature, they can literally dictate the terms by which they do it, and this is the real obstacle. When you go in and talk to a legislator about any kind of energy bill, the first thing they say is, "Well, let me." Check check with Dominion get back to you. Even our friends, it's important to recognize that they give money to most of the legislators. Only a few don't take it or don't get it. But more importantly, they give money to the leadership packs. This is how things are done in Virginia, and it's not just on utilities. If you give a large amount of money to the Senate majority or minority pack, you give money to Dick Sassel, who's a minority leader in the Senate. You give money to Tommy Normant and his leadership pack in the Senate. You give money to the House side, Bill Howell in the House, they keep party discipline because they literally have the largest amount of money. And if you're a candidate that needs to get money, then you've got to vote the way the leadership wants. And if you stand up to the leadership on an issue, you may not get that money. Dominion may not give you money, and the leadership may not give you money. So a lot of the money that the legislators get for their campaigns is laundered through the leadership packs. You don't know it's Dominion money. You don't know it's home builder money. I mean, it's important to recognize that because Virginia has no limits on campaign contributions, that corporations run this state. Corporations are amoral. But the corporation's job is to maximize its profit. Unfortunately, in Virginia, people tend to think that corporations are good public citizens. And if they're not doing good, if you make your money maximizing tobacco sales, and in the case of people like Altria literally suing little countries under these trade agreements to block public notice of health effects, to me, that's immoral. And yet, in the city of Richmond, if the building doesn't have Dominion's name on it, it's got Altria's name on it as a sponsor and this is part of the problem we have with our political system in Virginia. When you have unlimited campaign contributions, corporations have disproportionate power.
0: We have a very pro-business legislature. They always talk about doing the best for the economy. If you raise electricity rates, that's bad for business, bad for schools, bad for citizens. How come all these pro-business legislators say one thing, yet do the other?
1: good example of that in the most extreme sense is this law we have in Virginia that allows pipeline companies, in this case Dominion, to enter people's property. So-called Tea Party is all about property rights. You can't find a legislator with exception of one or two in the General Assembly that will even put a bill in to reverse this power of pipeline companies to enter people's property. They basically have to give you notice, but then if you say, I'm not gonna let you on your property, they can still enter your property and they don't have to give you any compensation for it either. You couldn't find a Republican or a Democrat with a few exceptions. John Edwards was one of the people will put a bill in that would reverse that but those bills never even got hearings because the legislators did not want to offend Dominion Virginia power. It's not a matter of being pro-business. It's a matter of being beholden to corporate interests is what it is. If you're serious about jobs, why aren't you making sure that we are doing our fair share to bring solar jobs to the state, to bring offshore wind to the state? The state of New York has made a big commitment now to offshore wind. They just built the first offshore wind farm. It's operating now off the state of Rhode Island. Virginia could have been first. Dominion lost a federal grant to the tune of about $50 million because they dragged their feet. We think they literally got the lease sale. This is a lease to build offshore wind off Virginia's coast because those are federal waters. They have to get up permission to do it. We think they literally bid that project so they could block it. There was a project to basically tie offshore wind farms all together up and down the east coast called the Atlantic Connection. Dominion literally blocked them from doing business in Virginia because they didn't want anybody moving in on their monopoly with regard to transmission electricity. You talk to legislators about this and either they're so blind to this that they literally tell you to get away or they literally just don't say anything and walk away. I was talking to a legislator who's progressive and who's a good guy, and his only response was, solar's going to get so cheap that Dominion will be irrelevant. He wasn't going to take Dominion on. We're talking just a week after a snowstorm. There was a lot of dedicated employees of Dominion out there fixing our power lines and making sure that we had electricity. Our beef is not with Dominion Virginia Power. Our beef is with Tom Farrell, the CEO of Dominion, and our beef is with Bob Blue, the CEO and president of Dominion Virginia Power, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of Dominion Resources. I think if you just use the word Dominion to apply to all of them, you should. It's interesting that their name is Dominion because they have Dominion over all of Virginia's legislature. It would be appropriate for somebody to hang a sign on the General Assembly that says a wholly owned subsidiary of Dominion Resources, because it is. Legislators take offense when you say that, but it's because you're telling the emperor that he has no clothes. Literally, they don't want to be told that Dominion is a corrupting influence and that they're doing Dominion's bidding. They take great offense at that, but that's exactly what's happening.
0: We have a part-time legislature in Virginia, and many of these people are not experts in a lot of fields. These bills that Dominion passes, they're literally written by Dominion lawyers.
1: Yes. Actually, the most significant bill was the re-reg bill. Years ago, there was a great interest in deregulating utilities, and Dominion oversaw our deregulation. And then when it became clear that deregulation was having some troubles, there were some spikes in electricity bills in different places. Dominion approached the legislature and asked for re-regulation. And the legislature had seen what happened with Enron in California, where Enron had literally ripped off the state of California and all the ratepayers for billions of dollars. And they went to jail for it, too. And in Maryland, where Baltimore Gas Electric became Constellation Energy and rates spiked. It may have been appropriate to re-reg possibly, but what happened was on the next to the last or the last day of session, Tommy Norman pulled a bill out of his desk that had been written by Dominion Virginia Power and was passed by the legislature without even reading it. And that bill created a lot of problems in Virginia that consolidated Dominion's complete monopoly over electricity generation. This is just an example of the hijinks that goes on in the legislature. And yet when you point this out to people like Tommy Norman, or to Dick Sassel, they take great offense at that. And frankly, I don't care whether they like me or not. People need to speak truth to power, and the truth is that Dominion owns our legislative leadership. There are individual legislators who will stand up to Dominion, but there are so few because most of them are beholden to the leadership and the leadership is beholden to the corporate powers like Dominion that you have this unfortunate situation in Virginia.
0: When you look at how much they've given to the legislature, oftentimes to the leadership and the gubernatorial candidates, it's on the order of the low five figures, ten to $25,000 per year. To legislators, especially rank and file legislators, it's on the order of two to $3,000 per year.
1: It is a real good bargain, even if you take a look at the total expenditure of $10 million over the last, say, 15 years. That's resulted in a lot of things for them. In fact, a billion-dollar windfall in 2014. They passed Senate Bill 1349. That's a $1 billion dollars in their pockets. So even looking at their entire investment in the state of Virginia in terms of campaign expenses, $10 million total to the Democrats and Republicans, they made a billion dollars off of that. In a given year, what are they spending? About a million dollars a year, I think. 500000 to Democrats, 500000 to Republicans. And remember, they keep the discipline by giving the money to the leadership. It's the governor or it's the leadership in the House and in the Senate that basically call for discipline. I have an example, and I'm not going to give the name, and it didn't involve Dominion, but there was, I think it related to the home builders at the time. A friend of mine who formerly was in the legislature said one time, this was probably about 20 years ago, but it's a good example. He was in a caucus. Basically, the leader said that if you don't vote for this bill, don't expect any money from the leadership pack. And remember, it's hard to raise money for any individual candidate. And so they look to the largest source of money is typically the Democratic Party, the leadership packs. So whether it's Dick law or whether it's Tommy Norman, whether it's Bill Howe, a large amount of the money flows into the individual campaigns. Most of the campaigns are not competitive, so they don't need to spend much money. It's only because of redistricting problems in the state of Virginia. You're only looking at five or ten races a year that are competitive. In the last election, not one incumbent legislator, House or Senate, lost his or her seat, not one. Some retired, not one of them lost an election. That shows you the ossification of our process. When you've only got five or ten seats at most that are competitive, all the money goes in there. So then what happens is you have a race for a House seat or Senate seat, particularly a Senate seat because that Senate is so evenly divided right now, and you might have literally millions spent in one race because you can focus all the money in one place. And these campaign contributions,
0: they can go anywhere. People can spend this on their children going to college. They can spend it on going to the Jefferson Hotel or whatever. It adds to their personal wealth.
1: That's right. Ethics reform in this state is a joke. Governor McAuliffe has done something to improve it, but not that much. And in part, and maybe because the legislators are blank. He did announce this session to put a bill in that would change the law so they can't spend their excess campaign dollars on personal expenses. It just blows one's mind. He mentioned this in a State of the Union address, in fact, just January 11th. I'll give him credit for that. I mean, obviously, he's very close to the minion, too. But he did propose at least one significant reform. But because there's such a limited chance to actually throw the rascals out because of redistricting, redistricting means that legislators get to pick their voters as opposed to voters getting to pick their legislators. That could be no more evident than it is in Virginia and in the last election where not one delegate or senator lost their seat in the general election. Money
0: is not necessary for campaign expenses at all. Tommy Norman, the Senate majority leader who controls the flow of legislation in the Senate, raised about a million dollars running unopposed for the election in 2015. But why is this legal?
1: It's legal because the state legislature makes the laws, and obviously it's extremely beneficial to Democrats and Republicans alike to literally maximize the amount of money they get. Mm-hmm. Talking with some folks in the Sierra Club about seeing a bill put in, and it won't happen in 2017 but maybe in 2018, that would literally prohibit regulated utilities from contributing. Recognize that at the federal level, corporations cannot make contributions to campaigns. It's against the federal election law for corporations to get dollars. In Virginia, anybody can give campaign contributions. I think even foreign citizens can give it. I don't think there's any limits at all. Certainly, if it's a domestic source, anybody can give you money. Some states do prohibit corporate contributions in state elections, and certainly some states actually prohibit regulated utilities, because you can see the conflict of interest. If you are a regulated monopoly utility, you have a monopoly. Nobody can even compete with them, so you can't even knock them off their pedestal. Some states have literally prohibited regulated monopolies from participating in the political process in terms of giving campaign contributions. We think that would be appropriate in Virginia. The good news is, because domain gives so much money to Democrats and Republicans, it would not be a unilateral concession. Basically, they could both say that we'll just give up that money. Now, Realistically, they're addicted to campaign contributions from companies like Dominion, so it'll be a tough fight. People need to become engaged in understanding how corrupt Virginia's government is. I think the fact that McDonald did not ultimately go to jail and the Supreme Court said, you can take as many gifts, as much graft as you want, as long as there's no quo to the quid pro quo, it's not bribery. And so we have a sick situation in this country and in Virginia in particular where you can lavish unlimited amounts of gifts on politicians, governors or state legislators. You can give them campaign contributions too. And as long as you aren't stupid enough to put in writing that you gave me this money and I'm going to vote on this bill for you or some other specific reward for the money, you'll never go to jail. It's legal to buy politicians wholesale in Virginia. You only go to jail if you buy them retail. So if you buy a specific legislator for a particular bill, that's retail, and you go to jail. But if you buy them wholesale, if you buy the entire legislature, or most of them, by giving unlimited campaign contributions, then it's perfectly legal. And the Supreme Court had just said that's the case in the case of Bob McDonald.
0: In 2009, McAuliffe started off running by not taking any contributions by Dominion. I believe that was his public policy. 2013, that was a whole different story.
1: Well, he we started taking money for his inauguration. That's the new thing that the politicians do. It's also true at the federal level. Even if you didn't back a candidate in an election or didn't give him any money, you have a chance to reprieve yourself by lavishing a lot of money on the inauguration. And so I'd have to go back and look. Dominion may give him like 50K for his inauguration. And to be honest, McAuliffe is a corporate dem. He's an establishment dem. He recognizes, and it's true, that Virginia needs to diversify its economy. So he's looking to try and find ways to diversify Virginia's economy because Dominion is the largest corporate interest in the state and because it allows the governor to go around to large companies and say, if you come to Virginia, Tom Farrell here will make sure that you get a really cheap rate. You have to recognize that manufacturers probably pay about 5 cents per kilowatt hour because they're buying bulk. We pay 10 or $0.12 cents per kilowatt hour. The governor can walk in with Tom Farrell and make a deal to bring a large corporation to Virginia. I would suggest we, the customers, are subsidizing those favorable rates for Dominion. But the governor is friendly with Tom Farrell because Tom Farrell is able to attract large manufacturers to the state by offering these very good electricity rates. There's a lot of reasons why corporations come to a state, and the price of electricity is not the only one. Usually it's something because the CEO has some ties to the state. There have been studies that show that it's not so so much the incentives. But that's one of the reasons. And so the governor has a close relationship with Dominion because he thinks Tom Farrell can help him be a rainmaker. As I said before, think of the thousands of jobs. Literally, we have passed up in the way of solar, in the way of wind, in the way of efficiency, because Dominion has literally blocked that industry offshore wind is projected to represent as many as 10,000 jobs in Virginia. Energy efficiency, the American Council for Energy Efficient Economy, ACEEE, did a study. And depending on how much efficiency you required, you could generate ten to 18,000 jobs. And the great thing about these jobs are you can train people to do retrofitting of houses so you could save poor people money on their electric bills. And you can give people with relatively limited skills the training they need to become employees of an efficiency company. So energy efficiency is a great way to stimulate the economy, save people money, and yet we have very little of that in Virginia. You look at California, you look at Vermont, you look at other states where they have high efficiency standards. Literally, the utilities required to invest in efficiency.
0: McCall's term is about to expire and nobody's expecting much in the way of legislation during this lame duck session. How would you grade him first as a governor, A through F, and secondly, on environmental issues.
1: There's a real important distinction here. If you're looking at various progressive issues, whether it's women's choice or whether it's public education, you know, or whether it's immigration, you name the issue, there, for the most part, are not large moneyed interests behind those issues. There's no corporation per se that cares about choice, no for profit corporation that cares about choice. There's no for profit corporation so much about public education, although there are these charter schools and things like that. But when you get into the environment area, recognize that every time you pass a regulation, that requires a cleanup of the water or the air, it's going to cost the corporation money. So you can have a candidate like Terry McAuliffe, who is generally, I think, very progressive on a lot of issues. And when it comes to immigration, when it comes to choice, women's right to choose, when it comes to public education, he can be a champion. He doesn't risk campaign contributions by being a champion on these issues. I sincerely believe he cares about these issues. But when it comes to the environment, and this is the problem we have with a Dick Sasslaw law or Tommy Norman or Governor McAuliffe, and that is that when we say to them, we need to clean up the Chesapeake Bay, they say, well, if we do that, we're going to anger Purdue because we're going to require the chicken farms to require greater limitations on their effluent. We're going to require the paper mill to ratchet down its effluent or its air pollution. And so what happens is you have this disconnect on environmental issues. When the environmental movement was first born in the early 70s, it was a bipartisan issue. And as a result of that, Democrats and Republicans were both champions of these issues. Over the course of the last 45 years, the Republican Party has become more and more the party of big business. And because of that, the environment has become a problem for them because they alienate their primary source of money. With establishment Democrats who have close ties to corporate interests too, the environment is a liability as well. And for that reason, for example, the governor has failed, has still failed, to give us a commitment that he's going to reduce carbon emissions. Now, the Clean Power Plan, because of Trump's victory, may go away. But this governor could do some real things to boost efficiency, to reduce carbon emissions. And yet, the governor still has been completely ambiguous with regard to what he plans to do. Because Dominion has a plan they say will reduce carbon, but they're lying. They literally are lying. Because what they're saying is they're going to reduce what's called carbon intensity. They're going to really increase their carbon emissions considerably. But for every unit of electricity, it will be less carbon. So they'll be more efficient, but still a bigger polluter. It's Just think about it this way. They, they say that gas only generates half the carbon as coal. That's not exactly true, but just for the sake of argument, assume it's true, okay? Well, if you build two times as many gas plants as you did coal plants, you haven't made any progress. If you took the coal plants offline and then built twice as many gas plants, you'd still have the same amount of carbon. And that's what Dominion's doing. But because they built all these new gas plants, they're saying that their carbon intensity has gone down. And to date, our governor, while he talks about climate change and says he's going to reduce carbon, has failed to articulate the distinction between absolute carbon reductions and carbon intensity. And for most people, it's a vague distinction. They don't get it. They they want to believe that, That politicians, Democrats and Republicans believe climate change is real and they're going to do something about it. But then you've got talented lobbyists like Bill Murray, the chief lobbyist for Dominion, because we should name names, who are able to plant clever talking points with legislators who are able to fuzz up an issue and say they're for climate change and then basically vote with Dominion to increase carbon emissions. And that's where we are right now. We're not clear where the governor stands. He says he believes in climate change. He says he's going to reduce carbon. But when you talk to Tom Farrell, he'll tell you that he's going to reduce carbon and that's a lie what would
0: you say to ordinary people and listeners out there who want to do something about these problems what can they do
1: Well, first off, it's important to recognize that politicians do their best to make issues complicated and vague. And I guess one of the reasons why I'm not well-liked by politicians is because I try to make these issues simple. From my standpoint, when a politician is looking at a bill in the legislature that affects air pollution or water pollution, if you read that bill, you'd never know what it did. There's one simple question all you have to ask. Is this bill going to make the air dirtier or is it going to make it cleaner? Is it going to make the water dirtier or is it going to make it cleaner? Is it going to increase carbon or decrease carbon? It's a simple question, and yet I'll be damned if I can find the legislators who want to ask that question because they're going to alienate the special interests that run the legislature. People need to get involved. They need to get educated. So join the Sarah Club. Join another organization. Join Planned Parenthood. Not just click on their alerts, but when they have a meeting or they ask you to come to the legislature, get involved. Set up a meeting with your legislator. There's a new pamphlet out. It's called indivisibleguide.com indivisibleguide.com. It was put together by a number of congressional Hill staffers that have basically put together a cookbook of what you need to do to push back against Trump. This applies to Virginia as well, though, in state government. It says set up a meeting with your legislator. Go in and talk to them. Go in and talk to him again. Go in and talk to him again. Get to know him. Give more money to the groups that you care about. If you care about Planned Parenthood, give them an extra contribution. If you care about the environment, send an extra check to the Sierra Club, because we need that money to fight these special interests. I'm trying to convince people to hold these individual corporations accountable by the name of the individual. We need to be stopped talking about dominion Virginia power. We need to be talking about Tom Farrell's dominion. Bob Blue, Dominion Virginia Power, because I think that we need to raise the specter of what they're doing to such a level that when they go to church on Sunday, some people are going to turn their heads. Right now, they put their name on everything. I don't care whether it's the Little League or whether it's a concert hall or whatever it is, it's got Dominion's name on it. We need to cut through that propaganda, through that greenwashing, so that people know that Tom Farrell is taking actions here that are not in the best interest of ratepayers, that are not in the best interest of our children, on climate change, which is my issue. Right now, we are in a dire time. And if we don't start taking real action that we should have been taking 30 years ago, it's going to get harder and harder to do what we need to do. Every year we delay is further. If you care about your grandchildren, you need to realize that what Tom Farrell is doing is an environmental crime. It may not be illegal, but it's an environmental crime. I would suggest to you that it's even immoral. And that's why we need to hold these people accountable by name so that when they show their face someplace, people turn their heads. They start to realize that what they're doing is shameful behavior. That's what we have to do. We also need to be holding our politicians accountable. When a politician should. Up for a town hall meeting, ask them their position on the pipeline. Ask them how much money they took from Dominion. It may be an awkward moment, and you don't have to do it in a hostile way, but they need to hear from people. And this is the whole point of IndivisibleGuide.com, is it talks about being there because most of the time people don't contact a legislator, and if you just click on an e-alert to get from the Planned Parenthood, they just count them up. But when you write that individual letter, when you set up that meeting and you go talk to them, it's a lot harder for them to blow you off. And then bring your friends and tell your friends to do it too. Bring your neighbors. We have to take our democracy back because right now it's being controlled by corporate interests. And the only way to do that is to get involved.
0: Glenn, this was an extraordinary interview. Thank you so much for coming. It gives everybody hope for the future in the age of Trump and the perpetual age of dominion here in Virginia. Thank you.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.